You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Listen, um, you got to love Fred Rogers. Like, it might have been a while since you've seen an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but it is, it's definitely worth your attention. Like, there is a, a relatively new, it came out a few years ago, documentary on Mr. Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. In fact, in our worship companion, which you can scan the, the QR code to, um, we have a link to the documentary. Fred Rogers is the patron saint of neighborliness. Uh, there's so much that he had to teach us. He wasn't, he wasn't just having a kid's show. He was a real advocate for children and an advocate for neighborliness. There were all sorts of things that he did that kind of reached beyond the boundaries. Like in the, in the uh, late 60s and early 70s during the Vietnam War, he would have episodes that talked about what children would experience during times of trauma. Um, during the Civil Rights Movement, when segregation was the dominant uh, approach to reality um, in the country, uh, he had the neighborly um, uh, police officer kind of come into his backyard and they kind of put their feet into the little kiddie pool together. It was a real statement. It was a statement of solidarity. It was a statement of love. It was a statement of compassion. It was a statement of, of neighborliness. So our gospel story today opens with the great commandment, right? If, if you were to summarize all of the law, all of God's instruction into a single statement, what would it be? Jesus asked this question, and an attorney spoke up and said, I know the answer. I know the law. I can summarize it for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's interesting about that is growing up, I don't feel like I heard that much about the Great Commandment. I heard a lot about the Great Commission. Like, I knew that there was some kind of responsibility that I was supposed to share the gospel with other people. But I didn't hear that much about the Great Commandment. And for that matter, what I heard about the Great Commission, I don't think necessarily was, was on point. <laughs> like, what I heard about it was that we should evangelize, but then... We said very little, bit, very little about discipleship, so it was all about sharing the gospel, but it had very little kind of follow-through. And the Great Commission itself says this. It says, as you go, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, Jesus says, for um, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So I think... Jesus, at that moment, was speaking to the apostles, and the apostles did just that, and it kind of established the church. And here's something that I, I want us to hear. We are not independent contractors in this thing called Christianity. This, is, this work is the work that God is doing, and God is working in the world, but primarily through the church to reach the world. We've said things like this during the series on friends. You know, God hasn't saved us from the world so much as God has saved us for the world, right? That God, God wants us to kind of be in the world, 
as salt and as light, as agents of love and mercy, to share the gospel, to let them know that Jesus died for their sins and that forgiveness is available. So don't misunderstand me. I think the Bible has lots to say about personal evangelism. I'm just not convinced that the Great Commission is necessarily focused on that. It's speaking in the plural, as you all are going. Make disciples of the nations. Because how do you make disciples? We could, we could go into a lot of description about how that works. But in Matthew, there are two very clear things that they're to do. The first is to baptize, which of course is something we do here at the church. We baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And the second thing is to teach them, to teach them to follow the commandments of Jesus. And again, I'm not saying that that can't happen on interpersonal levels, that you can't learn from someone else how to follow Jesus. But I am saying that the primary place that that is supposed to happen is the church. The church is the body of Christ. It is the family of God. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this series on friends is a series kind of on the church, right? The one where everybody's welcome. That's the place we are made to be. And that's the place we are doing our best to be. So this great commission is and ought to be kind of paired with this great commandment. Like, what does God require of you? What is the greatest commandment? Or the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But again, when I, the few times that did come up growing up, because again, we focused a lot on personal evangelism, a little bit on discipleship, and even less on the great commandment. When the great commandment did come up as a point of conversation, it was always presented to us as though it was, there were two commandments, Right? Commandment one was to love God, and commandment two was to love your neighbor. But it's, this is not the greatest commandments. That's not how the church has referred to this. It's the greatest commandment. It's, it's one instruction, to love God and neighbor. But if you treat it as two, then you might imagine that you could do the first one and maybe not do the second. That you could love God... And then if time permitted, you could love your neighbor. But I don't think that's the way this is being presented to us at all. You don't actually love God unless you love your neighbor. Right? John will tell us in a different text that how can you say you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love your neighbor whom you have seen? So that what it looks like to love God is to love your neighbor. I almost asked um, Danielle Lyon, if I had if I'd had her around for just a little longer, does she think that we could, you know, love the world? And I'm, and I'm convinced she would say yes, or how could I do it, maybe? She'd have a question. But you can't give the world a hug, right? Try it. Try to hug the world. The world's too big to hug. But, but you can hug somebody. Right? You, can't, you can't create peace in the world, but you can provide peace in your life. You, you can make peace there. 
You can show love where you live. Like this, this thing we call Christianity, it is not just ideas that we have, nor is it some kind of spectator sport. It is something that we live. It is something that we participate in. You are Christians because you do what Christians do. To be Christian is to be Christ-like. It's not, not that you become Christ-like by sheer force of your own will, but because God has loved you and has forgiven you, because you've, you've received that, right? Because you come and you sing and you pray, it trans, transforms you into the very image of Christ so that you can live in the world. So in the same way that God was incarnate in Christ, Christ now becomes kind of incarnate in us. Paul would even say that the fullness of God might reside within us. And I know that sounds a little, a little, little beyond the pale, right? Except it's right there in Ephesians. That the fullness of God might dwell within us. So that we become what we're made to be. The fullness of our humanity is played out when we love our neighbor. And again, there's lots of ways in which we can do this. And our culture provides us plenty of opportunity. You just look around and you see the ways in which we um, speak about the others. The ways in which we speak about people we either don't like or we disagree with or we're afraid of. The Samaritans, little lesson on the Samaritans. The Samaritans had a kind of a mixed uh, uh, ethnic background. Um, Part of their history was uh, Israelite, right? They are descendants of the northern tribes, the tribes of Israel. But they're not just descendants of the northern tribes. They're also descendants of various kind of Canaanite tribes and other, other people groups who had come through. You can imagine that if there was a group and they were relatively geographically isolated, but when the Assyrians came and destroyed Israel, some of them were taken into captivity, others were left there, and the others that were left there would intermarry with the locals and with other people who the Assyrians had just displaced. And you give that enough time and it kind of creates a whole new people group. I mean... Uh, a, rough, a rough analogy might be um, in Central America and, and South America, when Spain, there, there was various kind of indigenous uh, native people groups that lived in that area. Then Spain came, the conquistadors, they kind of brought the Spanish. And now the people who live, uh, a lot of the folks who kind of live in those geographical regions have family lineage that's both to the native people groups that have lived there for tens of thousands of years, and kind of Spanish, a Spanish lineage as well, right, that came roughly, what, um, 500 years ago-ish? I'm not a historian. And what little bit of history I know is not very good with math, so. <laughs> but that's close enough. You can get it, right? So, so they share that. <clears throat> so the Jews... Uh, thought the Samaritans were outsiders. They, they saw them as kind of less than and other than. 
And so I've always kind of heard that lesson about the Good Samaritan, that the shocking bit that it was a Samaritan that saved the person as opposed to the priest or Levite is because this is the ethnic other. And that gives us an example of how to be open to others, right? That we should be open to the ethnic other. And that's the lesson of the Good Samaritan. But I think something else is going on. Because the Samaritans, not only were they kind of an ethnic other, but they were also a religious other. That is, the Samaritans did not believe in practice or worship the same way the Jews did. Think about the interaction between Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria, right? You know, we worship here, you worship there. Um, the Samaritans only read the Torah. They did not read the Hebrew prophets. So they didn't have an expectation of multiple prophets. And because it's in the prophets that there's an expectation of a Messiah, they didn't have an expectation of a Messiah either. So when the woman at the well, who is a Samaritan, when she says to Jesus, first she kind of refers to him as a prophet, that's kind of one step outside of her, her faith commitment, right? I mean, yeah, I guess in the Torah, Moses will say in Deuteronomy 18 that God will raise up another prophet like me. So maybe she was thinking that. Maybe she's thinking, oh, maybe Jesus, this guy she's talking to, is the, is the new Moses. But then at another point, she goes on to say, I know the Jews expect a Messiah. Now she is literally reaching beyond the limits of her religion. And when she says, I know the Jews expect a Messiah, Jesus says, ta-da! <laughs> he says, and I'm him, <laughs> That's what he says. And I'm the one. I, I'm that one that they expect. So think about that for a minute then. Not only is the neighbor the one we are to emulate in this parable of Jesus, an ethnic other, but they are also a religious other. Let that settle in for you for a minute. So Jesus is telling us a story that the one who's behaving the way you're supposed to behave, the one who's living out the great commandment, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Well, who's the neighbor, right? Who's, who's, who's behaving correctly? Is someone from a different race and a different religion. So I'll just retell the story from maybe my perspective because I can't tell it from all of your perspectives. So if I'm hearing that story and I need a dynamic equivalent, I'm going to say, I'm going to make up a story here, and it's, the person is going to be female, because I'm male. Uh, the person, I'm going to say, is, um, I'll say, uh, Arab, because I'm whatever I am, white, American. And the person's a Muslim. So I'm talking about a female Arab Muslim who's the hero of the story. Now you can start to feel a bit of the rub that those who were listening to Jesus' parable would have felt. Because when we say Good Samaritan, that just sounds like somebody who helps people, right? Like we use the phrase Good Samaritan. 
There are good Samaritan laws, right? That say if you see someone in need, you should do something. And we call those laws good Samaritan laws. Um, the final episode, uh, we are TV heavy this, this week, right? So we have friends and we have uh, Fred Rogers. But the final episode of Seinfeld is about a good Samaritan law. But what I want you to hear when you hear that term good Samaritan is, is the, the, the oxymoronic struggle that the first hearers would have heard. Like good and Samaritan would not typically have gone together for the Jewish hearers of that parable. Good Samaritan would have sounded like an oxymoron to the attorney that Jesus was speaking to. Right, oxymoron, when you put two things together that don't go together, like plastic glasses or jumbo shrimp or Microsoft works. <laughs> said that for you, Mike. Um, what else? Civil war, right? We have all these words that we put together to say something, but obviously they're opposites. So for the Jewish audience who first heard this story of the Good Samaritan, that would have sounded like opposites. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan, right? The other, the one who's different, the one who's out there somewhere, not in here somewhere, because this, we know we are right. So for the church, this is a good lesson for us to learn, friends. We have to have a broader perspective on this world. God is the one and only creator of the world. Every person you ever will ever meet, every person you have ever met, is created in the image of God. There is no one that exists that was created in somebody else's image. Right? There's, there, are no, there are no people that were created in the image of Marduk. Right? That's a, a Babylonian god. There's nobody you know, created in the image of Zeus, right? the Greek god. Everybody has been created in the one and only image of the one and only God, the one creator, which means everybody you meet, right, bears the image of the living God. And we can even go a step further, that Jesus died for them. Now look, if, God, if they are made in God's image and if Jesus died for them, that, that's going to lay down certain expectations for us about how we think about them, about how we talk about them, about how we treat them. And maybe we are the ones that have something to learn, right? We're not the ones who just kind of have it all right and we're trying to go out there and save the world. We are not the world's savior. The world has a savior, his name is Jesus. We are the people of Jesus. And we are trying to share Jesus's message, Jesus's way of being in the world with them. And that's what it means to be a friend. We said early in this series, when we did the one on the pineapple, that hospitality can turn strangers into friends. Well, the gospel can turn strangers into friends and friends into family. The family of God who can come to the table who can share our prayers, right? Who we can care for. That's what the world needs. I know, I know there are other voices in your life who are telling you that 
some political view is, is what's going to kind of save the country. Or who's telling you that there's some political view that's going to destroy the country. <laughs> but I'm telling you that there's this gospel and it's the answer. It's the way to live. And it does not ostracize the other. It welcomes the other. It cares for the other. It loves the other. It provides for the needs of the other. Like that's what it, that's what it means to be Christian. That's what it means to incarnate, to live out the great commandment. And as Jesus said, if you keep this commandment, loving God and loving neighbor, if you keep that commandment, then all the other commandments will get kept. You won't have to worry about anything else. If you just love God and love your neighbor, all the others will be fulfilled. Because all the, the point of all the others was to get us to this anyway. So that's what we're to do. So we need to think of some ways we might put this into practice. And I think this can happen at multiple levels in our lives. I think it can happen with you, just you, and how you, and I'm, I'm just internally within you, how you think about others. Right? I'm just talking about your own disposition. <laughs> you know, we, we, over the years at the college, we talked a lot about leadership and, and you know, the students becoming world changers. Uh, servant leaders are world changers. That was a tagline we used for years. The problem with that is um, none of those kids are going to change the world. They'll be lucky to change themselves. <laughs> right? They struggle with their own selves. <laughs> but that's where it starts. Right? It starts with you. you. You live a life that's more loving and caring. You, you internally, when you feel some sense of animosity or disregard, and it comes in different ways, right? So it could be strong, like, oh, I don't like those folk, or it just could be a form of like indifference, right? Like, I'll tolerate them. But as we said in, the, in our summer series on life in the spirit, tolerance is a fine civil standard, but it is insufficient as a Christian attribute, right? Never says tolerate your neighbor. It says, love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And loving the neighbor requires more than just tolerating them. So step one, I think it starts with us. Again, even before we say something else, right? Just praying about it. Hey, God, help me. Help me think differently. Help me see as you see. Help me hear what you're saying, right? Give me your perspective. But then I think it does move beyond just our internal. This is not just a, a personal phenomenon. It will affect the way in which we then live, right? That in the jokes we tell or laugh or don't laugh at, in the conversations that we have, in ways in which, in this, I mean, it depends on your life. I, I can't fully anticipate what it's going to be like, but there will be times in which you can put this into practice. 
right? So I think it's important to have friends or coworkers or neighbors <clears throat> who are different than you. I mean, if, if all of your, if all the people you talk to are Christian, that's a problem. If all the people you talk to share your same political views, that's a problem. If the only people you talk to are like you, then you might think, hey, I'm a loving person. I never, never have any issues here. Well, that's easy, right? When they're all like you. But we live, we live in a world full of difference, full of variety. And it's beautiful. It's great. We should get out in nature and look at all the variety that's there. Go to the mall and just watch people. It'd be pretty fun, actually. You'd be amazed how much fun you can have just watching folks. They're, they're crazy <laughs> in all of the best ways. <laughs> they're just so different. The way in which they're made and the way in which they've grown and the way in which they dress and walk and talk, it's wonderful. And I think it's what we are now called to do. I think we Christians are called to do it, but I'm talking to you all today. Again, this is not abstract. I'm talking to the folks who attend Oasis, both live and on the live stream. This message is for you. Seek to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, Listen again to the parable of the Good Samaritan and be on the lookout for the way in which God is moving in your life through perhaps the most unexpected places. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.